Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commands the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. Welcome to the Call to Act podcast. This is episode number three. Uh, we're going to be talking about thankfulness today. And you might be thinking, well, why would I start out the podcast reading uh, that particular verse from Genesis? Well, I believe that greatest gifts to us is the gift of free will. And that's one thing we see there in that verse is God gave Adam a choice whether he wanted to follow his way or think that he can go off on his own and do his own thing. So um, I think that's one thing we need to be thankful for is just that gift of free will. And we just always need to have a thankful spirit. Um, we find that in First Thessalonians five sixteen through 18. Um, it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So um, Jesus calls us to be thankful always. And one thing that stands out to me about that particular passage is in verse 17, the pray without ceasing. Um, I don't believe that that is a, we should just be in a constant running dialogue the whole day, just praying. But I really feel like just, you could say a couple different words. You know, you could just say, you know, thank you, Lord, for waking me up this morning. You know, thank you for allowing me to have a good day. Thank you for keeping me safe on the road as I travel, you know, wherever I'm going, work or taking your kids to school or whatever you need to do. That pray without ceasing, I think that's just, you know, because in, in, that's sandwiched in between 16 and 18 where it's saying giving thanks in all circumstances. So I really believe that that's what that's saying. It's just thanking God always for everything because we just have so much to be thankful for, you know. And like I read in the in the um, the passage in Genesis we always have a choice in life deciding, you know, how we're going to live. And are we going to be thankful or are we going to choose to be, you know, unthankful or selfish? You know, it's, it's his will for our lives to be thankful. And one thing that I've really been trying to do um, really since the beginning of this year, and I wish I could say I've been doing it longer, but um, the beginning of this year, I really started to try to just wake up every morning as soon as my alarm goes off and before I even get out of the bed. Um, just thank God just for everything, you know, um, maybe say two or three quick things that I'm thankful for before I get up, you know, just thanking him for another day because each day it's really just, it's a special gift and we need to treat it like one. Oftentimes we say, well, let's get this out of the way so we can get on to this, but we really need to treat each day like the gift that it is, you know, and, and once I get up every morning, I, I try just to, as I go through my morning routine. I try to just to thank God as much as I can for all he's given me, you know, <clears throat> friends, family, you know, my truck, whatever I can think of, because I really feel like what this does is it puts you in the right, you know, the proper mindset for the, for the day, starting the day with a grateful heart. It just feeds your soul and puts you in a good mood to, to start your day. God has just given us so much, and oftentimes we can be very ungrateful. Just look around and you can see, you know, all the ways that he's blessed us in our life. Um, I mean, just think about it. He didn't have to, you know, make food taste good, but he did, you know, to sustain life. We have to eat. He didn't have to make it taste good, but he did. So, you know, we need to be thankful for that. He didn't have to make flowers and uh, to smell good or beautiful sunrises and sunsets, but he did, you know, for us to be thankful and give glory to him. 
I mean, just in, there's so many ways in life that you can be thankful and there's so much to be thankful for. I mean, I could just go on and on. Um, you know, obviously the most important thing, he didn't have to send his son to die for us on the cross, but he did. He offered us the free gift of salvation, which we need to be eternally thankful for because this is not something that we could earn on our own. Um, Isaiah 64, 6 tells us that our good deeds are as filthy rags. So even on our best day, we feel like the, the best that we could possibly do. The Bible tells us that it's just filthy rags. You know, it's no good because we have that sin nature. But that's the amazing gift of salvation and redemption through Jesus that he sent his son to take on sin for us, to take our place, to make it to where all we have to do is just trust in him to get to heaven. It's not anything that we can earn. So we just, I mean, we just have so much to be thankful for. And that's, that's kind of what frustrates me about this day and age that we live in, you know, with this whole self-love movement. I just feel like it's it's nothing but pure selfishness um, and the progressive Christianity and all that garbage. And I want to get into some of that in another day. I'm reading a, a book right now about Erwin Lutzer that's talking about just that subject. And I want to, you know, um, dive into that on another day. But I'm not saying that you don't need to to love yourself, but we're putting ourselves um, really in a position to be like a God, you know, with this whole my truth and well, this makes me happy. So that's all that matters. We're not worried about the Savior who bled and died for us. Uh, you know, we're just trying to get what we can while we're here. If you have anything bad to say about it, you're just a hater, right? And it's, it's so, it's confusing to me at the end of the day, how far away that we've drifted from God. And it really shows in the day that we live with the mindset of people shows us the grace and the love that Jesus has given to us, which is such an amazing thing. I feel like um, John Cooper said it nicely in his book, Awaken Alive to Truth. He said that proof of God's grace is shown by the fact that we aren't literally living in hell on earth, right? That's what we deserve. You know, like we just read in Isaiah 64, 6, our good deeds are as filthy rags. So we deserve to be living in hell on earth. But God, with his infinite grace and mercy, said, you know what? I'm going to give you guys a chance. I'm going to send my son to die on the cross for you and give you that grace and that redemption that you need. Right. And and that's one thing. That's the main reason why the devil comes after us so hard and why the devil hates us so much is because we've been offered that gift of redemption, something that he will never receive. And he hates us for it because he knows that he will never be redeemed. But we have that opportunity, which is, you know, another amazing gift that we need to be thankful for. Um, when we talk about thankfulness, I feel like a story that that fits that um, that subject nicely is the story of Horatio Spafford. Now, if you don't know anything about Horatio Spafford, um, I got a little summary for you right here. Is he was a, a very successful attorney and real estate investor in the 1870s, and in 1871 he lost a fortune in the Great Fire of Chicago. So you're thinking, man. That's rough. What does he have to be thankful for? He just lost a fortune. He's, you know, you talk about a bad day, losing a fortune. Um, he had five kids. He had four daughters and a son. And around that same time as the fire, he lost his, his four-year-old son to the scarlet fever. So you're thinking, man, double whammy right there. You lose the fortune in the fire, and now you've lost your, your four-year-old son. Um, I couldn't imagine that. I have a three-year-old son, and he'll be four later on this year. And I just could not imagine losing my son. That would be, you know, obviously devastating to any parent. Um, so he tells his wife, he says, let's let's plan a trip. Let's try to get away for a little bit and try to get our minds, you know, wrapped around all this and just take some time that we need to grieve. And so they plan a little vacation, a little getaway, him and his wife and his daughters. 
And he had something come up at work. So he says, you know, I'll, I'll send you guys ahead. So he sends his wife and his four daughters ahead um, to England. And on their way, um, crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision, killing more than 200 of the passengers, including Spafford's four daughters. So you had the fire where he lost a fortune. He loses his son shortly after that. You know, to try to get their mind right, they're, they're going to go on a little vacation to grieve and to to try to get back in a proper mind state. Um, and then he loses his four daughters. So you think, man, what does this guy have to be thankful for? So his wife survived this terrible um, tragedy. And when she gets to where she can write him, she telegrams him and she says, saved alone, what shall I do? I mean, can you imagine, you know, he... <laughs> He's got to be thinking, what in the world? How could it possibly get worse? So he immediately sets off for England. And uh, the captain of the ship that he was on, he was aware of the tragedy. At one point of their voyage, comes up to Spafford and tells him, hey, um, right now we're passing over the spot that happened where um, where your daughters were involved in this, this tragic um, collision. And you would think as he's crossing over, he's, I mean, I couldn't imagine what's going through his mind. Um, but he was comforted right away. He, he prayed and was comforted by the Holy Spirit. And he stood there and just kind of thinking about his daughters. And um, he took to writing. He, he pulls out his notebook and pen and he writes down these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. And if you're familiar at all with any any hymns, that is the the verse from it is well. It is well with my soul. So this guy who literally lost a fortune, he loses his kids, loses his son to the scarlet fever, loses his daughters to this, this terrible um, collision over the Atlantic, um, he had that faith and comfort in Jesus enough to write, it is well with my soul. I mean, that's just, it's unbelievable, the peace. You know, it says in the word, um, God offers us the peace that passes all understanding. Well, that's absolutely an example of that right there. And then that's one thing the Lord has so many different names, and one of them being um, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of Peace. And you could tell just by reading that story that he offered that piece to, to Spafford for him to be able to write it as well after losing all that. It's just, it's unbelievable. Uh, but that's only the gift that God can give you. Amazing thing about the Lord is he offers that gift to everyone. You know, his message is a message of inclusivity. So it's for everyone. All you have to do is choose to receive it, which is just such an amazing gift that it cannot be earned. That You just take it. You know, you just believe it, which is just so incredible. Um, I think which leads us into the scriptures here in the book of Job. Now, Job was, uh, there's many similarities here that we see to Spafford. The fact that they both were very wealthy. They both had several several children. Um, Job had seven sons, three daughters. And uh, if we look in the book of Job, in uh, chapter 1, verse 3, it says that uh, he was called the greatest of all people in the east. Um, he had many possessions. He had 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels, 500 oxen, 500 female goat, uh, donkeys, excuse me. You have very many servants. 
Um, along with that, he had his seven sons, three daughters. You know, he had all this wealth and um, very similar to Spafford. So, you know, he had plenty of reasons to thank God because God really blessed him. So um, I'm not going to read the whole book of Job. I thought we could just kind of get into it, break a few of the chapters down, kind of jump around a little bit. We see in verse number six, that's where Satan enters the scene. And that's basically what he says to, to God is that the only reason that Job is thankful to you is because you've blessed him. You've given him all these earthly possessions. That's the only reason why, you know, he blesses you. Um, if you look there in verse six, uh, just everything about Satan, you can, you can kind of tell why he was put as a serpent in the garden because he's just so smug and, and low. Everything he says, as if you read throughout these, these next couple of verses, is just so smug. Um, and God asks him in the passage, you know, where have you been? And Satan answers back to him just kind of smugly. Oh, I've been here and there, you know, and God says, well, did you see Job? Have you seen, have you considered my servant Job? And so and that's when Satan comes back with the, well, he's only, you know, blessing you because you've blessed him. So God basically gives Satan the okay. You know, I'll let you test Job and see if what you're saying is true, because I don't think it is. Right. And then, obviously God already knows the answer, but he says, you know what, I'll, I'll humor you, Satan. Go ahead. You could test him, but as long as you don't kill him. So what does he do? He does the next best thing. He doesn't kill Job, but he goes after his his children, which is, you know, I, I would I would rather have my own life taken than my children. I mean, I, I think any parent would say that. So he loses his children. He loses his animals. Satan basically takes everything that he possibly can. And Job still doesn't curse God, which is just an amazing testament to Job's faith and trust in God to know that even when things aren't happening that are that are good in your life, that God is still in control and that God still loves you. And um, so we see after he's taken his children, after he's taken his livestock, um, Satan puts the, the boils or the sores all over his body. And these things were so bad that Job was sitting in ashes with a piece of broken pottery, scraping them off. You know, so... Can you imagine the pain is just so unbearable that you're taking broken pieces of glass to scrape at your skin? I mean, that's just, man, I couldn't imagine. Um, so if you look at, like I said, we're not going to read these, the, the whole book word for word. Um, but we kind of see the next couple of chapters is, is the struggle that we see with Job. Like this, this why is this happening to me? Um, and then the next chapter I want to look at, we'll skip ahead to um, chapter 10. In chapter 10, we'll read verse 1 through 3. Um, Job says, I loathe my life. I will give free utterance to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not condemn me. Let me know why you contend against me. Does it seem good to you to oppress? So obviously he's having a struggle with this. And he's kind of stooping to that level like we spoke about earlier with the whole um, it's all about me mentality, which obviously I think anybody would. If you're going under the things that he's having happen to him, losing your kids, you got these sores all over you. But he's saying, you know, I loathe my life. Why is this happening to me? And he's saying, you know, I'm a good person. You know, I'm good. Why is this happening to me? Back to Isaiah 64, 6. Our good deeds are his filthy rags. Um, you know, if we skip ahead to um, chapter 17, like I said, I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit. Um Let's see, go to 
17, verse 15, he says, where then is my hope? Who will see my hope? So he's losing hope, right? Which, as I said before, I think that's understandable. Anybody in that situation would be losing hope. It doesn't stay that way. And we know um, if you've read the book of Job before, if you've heard stories in Sunday school or whatever as a kid, um, we know that basically his friends were telling him, you know, um, curse God and die. His wife was basically telling him the same thing. And um, as we saw in the passage before in 1715, um, he's losing hope. But if you skip ahead to verse, or I'm sorry, chapter 38, we see it doesn't stay that, it doesn't stay that way. Because Job has been asking, why, why me? Why is this happening to me? I'm a good person. Chapter 38, the Lord answers him and speaks. So um, I think that's a very powerful thing because he's saying the whole time, why is this happening to me? And this is what the Lord says to him. Then the Lord answers, I'm in chapter 38, this is verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. And so, so first of all, he's speaking to him out of a whirlwind. So and he says, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. So the Lord comes down to him in a whirlwind. You know, he tells him, dress for action like a man. I will question you, make it known to me. Where were you when I laid down the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines this measurement? Surely you know. So the Lord is coming down to him and saying, why, who are you to question me? Where were you when I laid down the foundations of the world? Which at this point, I think we can kind of see Job is just saying, okay, I better just shut up right now because this is not going to go well for me, which which is probably the wise thing to do. Um, so God basically just lays out his resume as if he even needs to do anything like that. He lays out his resume for Job. And uh, we find his response in chapter 40, um, 40, chapter 40, um, verse 3, we see Job, he says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. So we basically, like I said, he finally just says, I'm just going to shut up. I'm done asking questions. We see chapter after chapter where he's kind of sulking about, like I said, which is completely understandable. But when the Lord lays out his resume, he's like, okay, uh, I am of small account here. I better just shut up. Um, And then we see the Lord again in chapter 40. um, He says the same thing. Dress for action like a man. I will question you. You make it known to me. Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be in the right? Have you an arm like God? You uh, And you can thunder with a voice like his, adorn yourself with majesty and dignity, clothe yourself with glory and splendor, pour out the overflowings of your anger and look on everyone who is proud and abase him. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low. So like I said, God's just laying out his resume. He's like, who are you to speak to me when, you know, and he's basically just saying the things like a parent over and over again, saying the same thing. Um you know, dress for action like a man. I will question you. You answer me. That's that's what it sounds like to me. I know anyone who has small kids can relate. You have to say the same thing. It feels like over and over and over again. That's kind of what God was doing to Job here. And um, we see um, that Job in the end realizes that we are so small and insignificant compared to God. And we don't ever need to question God or his timetable timetable, excuse me, because God 
is just abundant in knowledge and grace and mercy and his ways may not always seem right to us and we not may we may not always understand what he's doing but he is in control um, and then we see in chapter 42 then job answered the lord and said i know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted there's your word right there thwarted who is this uh who is this that hides counsel without knowledge Therefore, I uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. So God said, you know, ask Job that, asked him that very question. Um, he said, uh, I will question you, and you make it known to me, right? So Job says, you know, the stuff that you are saying, it's too wonderful for me. I, I don't even know, you know, I'm so, I'm a peon, basically. Um, but he said, I had heard of you by the hearing of my ears, but now I, my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So we see that Job says, you know, I know I've had all this, this bad stuff happen to me, but still I know you are in control and I do not need to question your ways because I'm in, insignificant. You know, that's one thing I don't think that we um, appreciate is how insanely powerful and massive God is, if we look out at the universe and the world and all the things that he's given to us, all the things that he's created just by a word, how big he is, I think we underestimate that. And just by the boldness, being able to say the things that we say negatively towards God, it just shows that unthankful spirit of, you know, well, it doesn't matter because this is how, this is my truth. This is how I feel, right? And we don't understand, like Job is saying here, um, in verse three, therefore I had uttered what I did not understand. You know, God revealed some of that stuff to him. And he's saying, man, I am over here talking about stuff. I have no business talking about questioning things. I have no business, but no business questioning. But then we see that grace and mercy from God um, in chapter 42, verse 10. Um, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had had before. Then came to him all brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate bread with him in his house, and they showed his sympathy um, and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a gold ring. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camel, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys, and he had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first daughter Jemima and the name of the second. And like I said, like I said in the last episode, I'm not great at reading these names. So um, you can go at it yourself. That's 42, 14. If you want to try to go at those names, um, go for it. But so basically what we see is if we repent to God and submit to him, he will bless you. I think that's one thing that and we can be thankful for that God does supply all of our needs, but he also, he likes us to have things. You know, I don't, I don't believe in the um, uh, prosperity gospel at all, but I, I believe that God, if we are serving him um, with a humble heart, that he will bless us. He loves us in that way. You know, John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loves us so much. He was willing to give up his only son to die for us. Um, Further proof of that would be in Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's one thing about Jesus while he was here during his uh, ministry was he was a friend of sinners, 
right? He was oftentimes, uh, well, most of the time, eating with tax collectors and what the Pharisees would call sinners. Um, and what did he tell him? He said that uh, the healthy need not a, phys- a physician, but they that are sick, right? So Jesus is a friend of sinners, and that is a major reason to be thankful right there because, you know, if you were born into this world, you're a sinner. Um, and so um, I want to kind of jump around a little bit here with, with a couple more verses. Um, hopefully that'll encourage you and, and show you that we have so much to be thankful for. Um, another example of thankfulness we can find with Paul in Second uh, Corinthians. Um, let's see, Second Corinthians 12, um, 7 through 10, we see um, he says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of uh, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, right? So basically what's going on here is, is Paul was given these revelations from, from Jesus, from God. And he's saying that to keep me from being conceited or getting full of myself, he's put a thorn in my flesh to remind me that basically to kind of keep me grounded. Um, he says, uh, like I said, we're here, we're in verse seven, um, a thorn was given me in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I plead with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, this is verse number nine, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities for when I'm weak, then I am strong. So Paul is saying, even though I'm going through a tough time right now, I'm thankful for God and his grace that is sufficient for me because, you know, um, his power is made perfect in weakness, which is something to be thankful for that Christ takes care of us in that way that his, all we need is his grace. It's enough. You know, um, like I said, I want to kind of jump around to a couple different verses here. The next verse I want to go to is um, in John, John ten fourteen, um, And it tells us, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. So Jesus often in his, uh, in his ministry, he would often say things like this. I know the Father, I and the Father are one. John 14, 6, it tells us, um, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the only way to get to God is through him. So the Lord has many different names. Um, and one thing that we know about him here in 1 Peter 5, 7, um, is that he cares for us, casting all our anxieties on him because he cares for you. Isn't that such an amazing gift to know that the creator of the universe, he cares for us? Especially like like that verse says, all your anxieties, that's one thing that we know is running rampant in today's day and age is uh, people struggling with anxiety and fear and depression. Just knowing that the creator of the universe, he cares for us enough to say, just give them to me and I will comfort you. He's the great comforter. Hova Shalom, just like I mentioned before when I was talking about Spafford. You know, he is the God of peace, the peace that passes all understanding. Um, our God is, he's a God of many names, all of which he is very deserving. Um, I know personally in my life, I'm, I'm just trying to do the best that I can to be thankful for every single thing because nothing is insignificant to God. He, anything that, that happens in our life, anything that he gives us can be used as an instrument for him. So we need to remember that in our day to day that we might think that something is pointless, but nothing is pointless to God. Nothing is an accident. 
everything happens for a reason. You know, he desires us to be thankful and to be selfless. He desires that selfless heart to carry out his ministry. Um, just as Paul says in Acts twenty twenty four, he says, But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if I only may finish my course in the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. One thing that we find with Paul in the book of Acts is how he made that 180, right, on the road to Damascus. He went from persecuting Christians and standing there with the um, coats of the men that were stoning Stephen to a complete 180 to the next thing he's trying to do is just serve God however he can. And you can tell just by reading his words how thankful he is that God gave him that second chance, that, that he just gave him the um, uh, the the consideration to be remotely worthy of speaking for him and used by him. And I hope to do that in my own life to the best of my ability. I just want to challenge whoever might be listening to this to do the same. You know, he never said it'd be easy, but he said that he'd be with us. He would lead us and guide our path. He would give us the strength that we need to do what we need to do for him. Um, now, Satan will come after us if we're doing God's will. That seems when he tries to come after you the most because he doesn't want us to further the Lord's kingdom. You know, Satan, um, he came after Jesus when he was in the wilderness. Um struggling with hunger. He's fasting for 40 days. So we know that he, if he feels confident enough to go after the son of God, he's going to come after us as hard as he can. Right. So we need to make sure that we're, you know, praying without ceasing, you know, throughout the day, um, thanking God, asking him for his strength and guidance. And he will give that to us if we are willing and submit our hearts to him. So I hope that this, uh, this podcast encouraged you today and showed you that um, we have so much to be thankful for. And we are just so blessed and that um, we really need to focus more on what we do have versus, you know, what we don't have. Because um, if we just sit down and made a list, you wouldn't be able to to stop writing down the ways that God has blessed you because he has just blessed us in so many ways. Um, another quick little thing I wanted to say on the lines of that is um, in terms of praying without ceasing. Um, in, the, in the Bible times, the rabbis would have a prayer for everything. You know, when they wake up every morning, they would say a prayer of thanks um, before they went to bed, before they ate, similar to, to how we do today. But they were to the point where um, they would even thank God after leaving the restroom, right, that everything worked. Um, and so we see and, you know, maybe that might be a little bit extreme. But if you think about it, that is a huge blessing just to be able to do the small things in life that we take for granted. The Lord has just given it to us and we don't think about it. You know, we don't give it a second thought. So we just have so much to be thankful for. And and um, I just hope that uh, this podcast today um, kind of helped you realize that a little bit. If you if you enjoyed this, I pray that you share it with a friend or maybe somebody that enjoys podcast. I um, hope you have a good week and God bless.